0: from the website girlfriendit.com and the movement girlfriendit. Here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com.
1: Well, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Girlfriend it Radio. This is Patty and Lisa where we like to rally you to do the remarkable whether that is in your organization, your family, your ministry or in your friendships. And speaking of friendships, I, (laughs) I just have to laugh, Lisa, once again, of being at Starbucks yesterday and lo and behold, I was using my little Starbucks gold card and apparently it didn't slide through the, the money interaction. And I went over to sit down and you, you got bellowed aside.
2: (laughs) She was like, I I go to pick up my drink. And, um, the girl leans over to me and it's like, okay. And she, you know, like, and she whispers <laughs> and she says, and I'm thinking, okay, what, what, what's happening here? And she kind of looks at me and she kind of looks at you and she goes, your friend over there, her money didn't work. and she needs to come back to the register because she didn't pay. And, of course, I immediately. I'm looking at you, and you're clueless, and you're getting you're getting yourself all situated in your seat, ready for your latte. And I just I lost it and started giggling, and then and then I had to tell you to come to the register, um, oh my friend who doesn't pay, and so that and just started this giggle train. And it's like it's those things that when sometimes it's just those little things that just get you going, and then you keep playing off of each other, and we can make something so simple and so. It was insignificant.
1: So and then when I, when I came up and realized what the little scenario was that she was whispering to you about. And so <laughs> I, you know, add a little bit more money onto my gold card and we can't, we can't stop laughing. And she said, that's so amazing. You guys can laugh, have this much fun at your age and live young. <laughs> They're like, wait, she didn't say that she did not say that you could have this much fun at your age
2: well well, what's so funny is like we're just giggling giggling as soon as she says that it's like wait a minute that's not funny that's not funny (laughs) now the laughter has ended i am not
1: living young after that comment
2: Um, oh my gosh yes so I know. we But we refused to be offended, right? So we just kept giggling and thought, you know, she's missing out. What can yeah. I say? At her age. At, at her age. age. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well... We are talking about living young today, uh, talking about how so many um, people you keep hearing over and over again, especially in adolescent age, that suffer from anxiety disorders, and it seems to be more prevalent where you hear it more, and I I know a couple years ago they said that it was at an all-time high, that the rate of, you know, anxiety and Um, It's just becoming reported as an overwhelming number of people. And it actually, anxiety has increased from 50% in 2011 to 60% or 62% in 2016, and that it's actually overtaken depression as the most common reason college students seek counseling services. And I know you and I have talked about it, and we always want to blame technology that seems to be, <laughs> you got to point the finger at somebody whenever there's fear, right, of why is this this happening? And today we have a special guest that's going to talk a little bit more about anxiety and um, she's actually an author and a speaker and host of the Finding Joy podcast as well as Finding Joy Ladies Night out events and she just recently wrote a book so i would like to welcome lauren gaskell on our show today how are you lauren hey i'm doing great how are you guys doing we are doing great we uh, we have just had an amazing halloween event last night and now we're going into this beautiful time we're in arizona so when we get a little bit of cool weather we are soaking it in
3: Oh, wonderful. Yes, I'm sure. And, and so tell us what state you're in. So currently, I'm traveling with, um, actually, we had a rebrand. We're now called She Found Joy. Um, so I'm traveling, and I'm in Indiana, which is where I was born and raised. It is freezing cold here. Um, but I do live in Raleigh, North Carolina.
1: Oh, okay, North Carolina. Well, I'm going to Indiana Monday for all of next week. Oh, uh... fine, you're just going to miss me. (laughs) Okay, isn't that wild? I'm going to be at the University of Indiana right there. Oh, yeah, yes. I'm pretty close
3: to there.
1: Yeah, it's just so beautiful this time of year because of all the fall colors. And Mm -hmm. I love that. And Lisa is leaving on Friday. Tomorrow. Which would be tomorrow. (laughs) She's not going to be going to Indiana.
3: <laughs> where, where is Lisa going? Lisa is
2: going to over to the Holy Lands, over to Israel. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yes. I'm leading a group of women over there on a trip. So um, I and, and my flight leaves at five in the morning. So um, I am not looking forward to starting off sleep deprived and hoping I can sleep on a flight. You know how that goes. Flying is not fun, right?
3: Indian. No, it is not. Um, I will say a prayer for you. And um, I hope that you can get some sleep because sleep's important. I know we've been traveling for the last three weeks with She Found Joy. And anytime I get a full night's sleep, I'm like, praise the Lord. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. Okay. So tell us about that. Why, first of all, why you're not sleeping. No. Tell us about <laughs> what, what started this journey and give us a little bit of your background. You are such an amazing storyteller, by the way. And oh, what thank led you, you to writing this book?
3: Sure. Well, I, let's see, I grew up in Indiana. Y'all already know that. And um, was really just a high-performing kid. Um, I was on the swim team. I was a championship swimmer. I was also 1st um, chair oboe in our band. And so just always wanted to do my best and had a really type A personality. And, um, you know, combining that with some of the health problems I started experiencing in high school, which now we know to be a connective tissue disorder called hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos, but we didn't know that back then. And so I started experiencing joint dislocations, headaches, and then um, anxiety and depression and panic attacks in high school. And I had no idea what was going on with me. I just thought that I was You know, the enemy started telling me that I was just a messed up, flawed, destined for misery human being. And um, I would go to church, and I would hear sermons about how, you know, surrender your life to Jesus, and everything will be okay. And um, I did. I would pray, God, God, please take this away. And when he didn't, I got bitter, and I really started to question, like, okay, God, are you even there because I'm, like, crying out to you every single day, and I feel like I'm drowning and I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, so that was really my, my high school experience. Um, and, you know, the beautiful thing, and I write about this, is that in, in my book, that God, he can take the broken pieces of our fractured hearts and love us back to wholeness in him if we let him. And, you know, I did for a while in high school question my faith a little bit, but really started trying to get back into the word in college and, and trying to pursue God. And I remember reading crazy love by Francis Chan. Um, that was one of the, the first books that God really used to really just, um, call me back to him. And it's not like everything got instantaneously better. In fact, you know, the panic attacks did get a little better, but my pain and my joint problems got worse in college. Um, but through all of that, you know, just on this whole journey, God has led me to a place where even on the days and seasons where I feel like I'm drowning, I know that if I just reach out for him and continue to press into faith and keep the faith, keep trust in him, that everything's going gonna, everything's to gonna be okay because that's what he promises us.
2: Mm. That is so hard when you're, you know, even um... – you're talking about you have this, which causes stress. Which, what we're talking about, and not knowing, like, really what's going on. You know, is what is really happening? What is the truth to to all of this? And it, just being on that journey of like discovery. And I think in so many ways, our lives we're we're on those journeys of discovery. Whether it's discovering a health um, situation or just a life situation, and it is amazing how you can pick up something and just read it. Like you said, crazy love or something that you go okay, I'm starting to, you know, put things in perspective Was it. I know like, like reading and hearing things like words can be really powerful and just one Mm -hmm. word sometimes can just shift something, right? Um, you as a writer, have you found that just kind of playing with words or even discovering certain words, like just one word can just shift or change something dramatically?
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, the one word as you're talking, and it's an obvious word, but the one word that just comes to my mind is Jesus. I mean, there is power in the name of Jesus. And sometimes, you know, I still, I'll have flashbacks to my panic attacks because they were pretty brutal. I mean, I would, I'm very open and honest about this because if somebody's going through this right now, I don't want them to think that they're alone. I would throw up every night. Um, Mm. It was, it was horrible. And I still sometimes have flashbacks to that. And and if that happens, you know, I just, sometimes I just say Jesus. And we know the Bible says that there is power in his name. And at his name, the enemy has to flee, (laughs) you know? And so that is the the most powerful word, I think.
1: Okay. We only have one minute here before we go into a commercial break, Lauren, but Um, What, what, because I keep hearing this, I I work with a lot of young, younger girls are in college, and they are, they're throwing up because of the anxiety.
3: That's just the nerves that is it? Yeah, so that is just so it's a, it's a, I'm not a doctor, but um, there's an adrenaline response and all of these chemicals that, that are set off when a panic attack begins. And you know, especially when your throat feels like it's closing up and you can't breathe and it's it's really a chemical response um, to everything that's going on in your- We're
1: gonna gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll come right back to hear more about this. Sounds good.
0: For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's Merging
2: Herd.
3: If you're like me, when you've finished dining at a restaurant, you hate waiting and waiting for the check to arrive so you can pay and get on with your day. I admit my rocket, as my kids call it, starts going off,
2: and my husband always wants one more cup of coffee, and I'm ready to go, Wiki wiki, let's go. It's not that I'm tense. I'm just terribly alert. My husband always has a cup of coffee in his hand, so much so he is wearing out the handles of our coffee mugs. But then again, he's not as bad as the French writer Voltaire, who drank 70 cups of coffee a day. I can't drink coffee before going to bed because I get too wadgety. My husband, on the other hand, can drink several cups of joe and go right to sleep. And I'm not talking slum Gullion. That's sweet coffee. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard
3: vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All
1: right, welcome back. And we are talking with Lauren Gaskell. She is the speaker and an author. She just recently came out with her new book, Into the Deep, Diving into a Life of Courageous Faith. And Lauren, you also um, have a podcast and you're doing ladies' nights, but... Um, I'm really focusing on listening to others and not multitasking. And yet I I completely forget the name of what you said. You're rebranding. So tell us. And then you're talking about rebranding, but we were also talking about that. There is this like the, the physiological aspect of what's happening when you have these anxiety attacks, these panic attacks. And what would like really, truly bring them on. So there was a lot of questions in that in that introduction, but hit it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think I'll start with the ministry name because that's the easiest. Um, yes, we <laughs> rebranded to She Found Joy. That's the ministry name. So we, if you go to SheFoundJoy.com, those of you listening, um, our heartbeat is we're a nationwide events and resources ministry, dedicating to helping helping women discover an authentic joy in Jesus, live it consistently, and give it abundantly. Um, and a lot of people ask me, well, why is your ministry about joy, but you wrote a book about faith? And I always say, well, you can't have joy if you don't have faith. So <laughs> um, hopefully that answers that question. But then going back to the anxiety um, question that you had, you know, nausea and vomiting are common symptoms of anxiety. And and the thing is, when a panic attack starts to come on, like I said, there's certain chemical reactions and you can, you can often feel like your throat's closing or like a rolling feeling in the pit of your stomach that makes you think that you're going to throw up. Um, and so I, I often tell people again, I'm not a doctor, but you can either choose to throw up in my experience or you can remind yourself, okay, this is just anxiety. I'm not actually sick. This is just a feeling that's going to pass. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy how the body works, but like I said, not a doctor, but I know that that's a very common, those are common symptoms of anxiety.
2: Mm. Well, and you know, I would rather hear from somebody that is experiencing it than somebody that's just telling me from a medical sometimes. Cause like, okay, you get me, you understand (laughs) what, what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. So your your words are powerful in those situations, and I think they they breathe life into somebody that's there, going, okay, I have a choice, and here's what's really happening, and somebody else has been through this and understands, and those are mm-hmm. powerful words that you you know you can give people.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think it's so easy um, when we're going through a, a, a particularly bad season of maybe it's depression, even or anxiety or panic attacks or whatever it is that. That somebody struggles with, I think it's easy to get stuck in those feelings, and the enemy will make us try and feel like that. That's how we're going to feel for forever. That that is our new normal, and that our life is horrible. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you know, I and and everybody's different, um, but I truly believe that bad days do not last forever. They don't. And and bad seasons don't last forever. The sun will rise. Um, and so that's what I always share with people, too, is, like, if you're in a really bad place right now, do whatever you can to get yourself healthy and to get yourself rooted in the Word and, you know, shore up your faith, um, and God will see you through it.
1: And, you know, Lauren, when you say that, get yourself rooted in the Word, when someone's going through this horrible season. I know for me, I have a tendency, my temperament is like buck up, get over it, like get your head in the game. And that's not like what Lisa's saying. That's not <laughs> the best route to go mm. when you're sharing with. And, but on the other hand, I remember when someone was really stressed out and I said, you know, how are you with your quiet time? Cause that just seemed like a normal question to ask. And you know, we get caught up as Christians, you know, hold each other accountable. And how are you with, you know, spending time with Jesus? And and later on, I heard that that was like the worst thing I could have said to her. Like that just made her even more so go into a tailspin. So give us some insight on that, because sometimes we mm. do that as mm-hmm. Christians, like, well, I have a verse for you, or maybe you should get into God's word a little bit more and you won't feel this way. And then they just go, I don't even want to have anything to do with you people. This
3: is not, this is not helping me. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think a lot of it ties back to bathing ourselves in God's promises, even if we don't quite believe them. You know, I think about the doubting man in Mark chapter nine, um, who I can relate to on so many levels because I've been there, you know, the, the person crying out, God, I do believe, help my unbelief. And so if you're in a place where you're not really sure that you want to pick up the word, I would just encourage you to pick it up anyways. We know that the word of God is powerful, alive, and active, and that no word returns void. So even if you're just not sure about what you're reading, I believe that there's power. Um, and so even when, you know, I'm stuck in a, in a season, I will remind myself of God's promises. Here are some of my favorites. Um, you know, He promises to never leave or forsake us, Deuteronomy 31.6. He promises to take our despair and doubt and give us a new heart and spirit of courage and faith. That's Ezekiel 36.26. He promises us protection from harm or danger, Psalm ninety one. Um, he promises to supply our every need, Philippians 4.19. He promises to give us peace. I love that one when I have anxiety, um, Isaiah 26.3, Psalm 119, 165. So there, there's so many other promises found in his word. And if if you can just, you can even Google, like, God's promises. Um, that Those are my lifelines that I turn to, and I pray them back to God. I'm like, okay, God, you promised me peace to so be my peace. Please be my peace. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And and so now in this season of your life, um, how are you with this, you know, weird disease that you <laughs> came upon? Mm. And how are you
3: with these panic attacks and the anxiety? Sure. Do you feel like you've been sure. healed? Or- so God has... You know, my healing process really began with my diagnosis in 2015. And, um, you know, I didn't get miraculously zapped. Um, I haven't just, not all of my problems have gone away, but what I've noticed is that as I have gone deeper in my faith and relationship with Jesus and really just committed to swimming through life with Him, He has started this slow healing process in me and brought me to this beautiful place where, Um, you know, with my health, I do physical therapy. I do, I do, um, a really clean diet. I do all of these things to make sure that I'm keeping myself as healthy as I can. But then spiritually speaking, you know, I'm in the word every day. I talk to him throughout the entire day. I I truly believe that prayer can be as simple as just talking to God. Um, and those things have, again, led me to a place where, I still have pain um, almost every day. Um, I praise the Lord. I, I did have a flare-up with anxiety last year after I had surgery, and I was put on these drugs that really, really messed me up and triggered another season of panic attacks. But um, what I know is that no matter what I face, no matter what any of us face, God will see us through to the other side. That is what I know because that is who he is. He is faithful to the end. And I have seen my share of tsunamis and, and high sea battles just to know that, that he is faithful, he is.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know, in your book, um, you, the title Into the Deep, Diving into a Life of Courageous Faith, how would you describe courageous faith? Because I mean, I think we all want to be courageous and you hear that word, but we want to be, but we don't always feel courageous, but what would, what does courageous faith look like?
3: That is a great question. I'm actually talking about this on the She Found Joy Ladies Night Out tour right now. And I think courageous faith starts with evaluating what do I currently believe? So for those of you listening today, ask yourselves, like, What do I believe about God and his word? Have I allowed doubts and fears and despair or circumstances to come in and change what is true? Um, And then from there, we really have to make a choice to stop dwelling in our doubts, in our fears, in our despair. You know, I I like to talk about um, we have two options. We can either be stuck into the undertow and, you know, the enemy would like to pull us underneath into the undertow. Or we can push back the doubt, the fear, and despair and reach for Jesus, and he will keep our head above water. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the second step. And the third step is, all right, it's one thing to know what we should believe, but do we live like it? So that's the third step of courageous faith is living like we believe. And that, that takes courage. It really, really does.
2: Yeah, there's a big difference in, in believing and then living it. Mm-hmm. And, and we miss that there's a, there's a big, big jump there. Well, as you, um, with a lot of our leader, uh, listeners, like, what are some steps do you you get? You shared some of the promises of God from scripture where, which we need to just claim and read and reread, but what are some simple steps that you have found just to remind ourselves when you find yourself in, and it might not be just, I I'm living with anxiety and stress, but I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm in a dark place. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily that, but I'm just in a, like a discouraged place. What are some things to like the story we should be telling ourselves?
3: Mm. Well, you know, in one of the chapters of my book, I talk about the three Ps of a deep faith. And I already talked about one of those, which is resting in God's promises. The second thing that I think is really important is to ask for provision. So here's the thing. When our faith is shaken and we're in a battle, it's, it's very comforting to know that our needs are going to be taken care of. And so when we bring our needs to God and we trust that he's going to meet our needs no matter what, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the last thing I would, I would add to that is, um, and this is the third P of a deep faith, resolving to persevere. You know, I think about Jesus and how he persevered even to death on a cross. I mean, we suffer, but, y'all, we will never suffer to the degree that Jesus suffered. And if he, if he could persevere in love for us, even unto death, and, and if the Bible says that his, the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us, then we can resolve to persevere, not in our own strength, but in his strength. <laughs>
0: This is Girlfriend it on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended radio right after these.
2: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California.
0: This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we are back. We've been chatting with author and speaker Lauren Gaskell. And she just recently came out with a new book, Into the Deep, Diving into a Life of Courageous Faith. And also, Lauren has um, uh, started an organization, She Found Joy. And you can find a little bit more about that, shefoundjoy.com. Uh, so with that, we left and went into a commercial break, talking about the three P's, Lauren. And it was um, promise. And I'm trying to I'm trying to remember them off the top of my head here. Yeah, promise, yeah, yeah.
3: So it was, it was rest in and, God's, Yeah, rest in God's promises. Ask for provision and resolve to persevere. There we go.
1: And I love that. I love the three P's. And you also talk about six things in one of your your chapters. And so I would love it for our listeners to hear more about that. What are the six six things that um, you really focus on?
3: Yeah, so I have a chapter, I think you're referring to the chapter six things you need to know. And these are things that these truths clinging to these truths really helped me get through my crisis of faith and still continue to help me navigate the deep waters with God every single day. Because here's the thing about faith. I say this book is for everyone because faith is a lifelong journey and we will never get to the point where we've just arrived until we see Jesus. We are constantly needing to go deeper in faith. So um, these six things apply to all of us, whether or not we're in the middle of of a crisis right now or the waters are smooth sailing so you know number one God is not punishing you I'm just gonna read them if you end up getting the book um, there are more details um, that I write about but one God is not punishing you two you are not alone three you are going to be okay Four, the darkness does not define you five you were made for the deep and six God's love will carry you. And I think there's so many things that I could talk about with each of those six powerful reminders. But the, my favorite is that you're going to be okay. And I, the, one of the quotes in that section of the book is, even the fiercest storms have an expiration date. And we talked about this a little bit earlier with anxiety and depression and some other challenges, like there will be better days. I truly believe that. Um, and if we can keep our eyes on Jesus and, and fix our mind on, you know, Philippians, um, you know, we're told to fix our eyes on whatever is lovely, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable. Think of those things. Um, we are going to be more than okay because we have Jesus. Mm.
1: You know, it's interesting. I, I used to train flight attendants and pilots and we would do a lot on, you know, hijacking and emergency situations. And one of the things that we would repeat over and over again was exactly that you are going to be okay. And when you tell your mind that it's, it's pretty crazy what it will focus on. That it's like, yes. I'm going through this right now, but I am going to be okay. And you keep telling yep. yourself, I yep. will live through this. And then, and then when you even take it to the next step, that we have Jesus. So not only are we going to be okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, and yet yet we still go through this spiral and we can't seem to pull ourselves out of of that. So I love that. You're going to be okay. And the other one, God is not punishing you. I, I think it's wild how Satan can get in there, how the enemy can... Make you feel that way, like, oh, I deserve this, or oh I did something wrong, so this is this is my fault so will, will you unpack a little bit more of that of of yeah God is not punishing you this is not your this is not
3: your time out <laughs> absolutely well let me let me first say that God is a God of justice, and so i I do believe that, but punishment is incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. it just it just is and so, you know, when we think about suffering, the scriptures very clearly tell us that God does not cause suffering, but he, he does allow it not to torment us or obliterate our hope, but he uses it for several different purposes. So he can use suffering to redeem it for our good, to draw us to full reliance on him, to develop our character, to show his grace, power, and glory to the world. Um, And just even to manifest the life and character of Christ in the midst of suffering, because when we suffer, we join in the sufferings of Christ. And and God can and will, if we cooperate, um, He will conform us more to Christ through our suffering. I truly believe that.
2: Let me ask you a question, because all these are such great tips and stuff. On On a relational level, did you find it hard to find people to walk the journey with you? Um, and, and, and people that really were with you in the journey, not just giving you answers, but really understood that and Mm. didn't get, and didn't get tired of it. You know, there's so many times we like, um, you see people with somebody for so long and if they're not kicking out of it at a certain time, they're like, okay, I'm done. But it's true. Yeah. a, A person in the journey with you. How, how hard was that? How easy
3: was that? What was that like? I will say this. Um, I, I talked earlier about huddling up and the importance of reaching out. I, you know, I don't know where I would be, one without Jesus, but two without my husband, um, and my parents and my grandparents. Um, they were not afraid. You know, my parents made it very clear because I'll be real with you guys, on my worst pain days, I now i God has has made my pain better. I am not as bad as I used to be, but Um, you know, four years ago on my worst pain days, I would call my parents every day crying because I was in so much pain. I didn't even know how to function. I mean, I just, I couldn't even think straight. Um, and they were not afraid of that. They were like, you know what, Lauren, we want you to know that you can call us anytime. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. And, and same with my husband, you know, he would just sit with me you know, in, in my pain and not offer any answers or any solutions, but just hug me and tell me, you know what, I love you and it's going to be okay. And and then point me back to Jesus. I think those are the most important things, but yes, relationships are so important. Um, And we're called to care for one another and not to bear, like we're not to take on the full of another person's burdens, but we're called to support one another. Um, and I, and I think so many of us run away from suffering, but that's when our people, that's when we need each other most.
2: It's interesting how, when you do go through times like this, or, you know, you're in the deep waters and you're trying to swim and trying to survive. And then when you start coming out of it and seeing kind of the light, it does change, uh, how you relate to other people going forward. Cause you've mm. experienced something and it's like, okay, I'm not going to be maybe as critical of somebody or maybe Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a little bit more um, empathetic to them. So um, how did you find that this has changed you in relationship with people? Oh, that's a great question.
3: You know, I think regardless of whether or not you're dealing with a health diagnosis, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a parent, the loss of a job, um, financial troubles, whatever it is, I think that when we go through something really deep, I think God uses it like, like we talked about earlier, he has purposes to just remind us what truly matters, you know, and I'm, I'm a lot more chill of a human being than I used to be. Uh, Like I said, I used to be pretty high strung, um, pretty on edge, stressed out. And I don't do that anymore because it's just not worth it. Like it doesn't matter what 10 years from now, it's not going to matter if I was on time to, you know, something that I was stressing out about being on time to. Do I like to be on time? Yes. But I'm not going to stress myself out, ruin my day, ruin my week, yell at people because something didn't happen the way that I thought it should happen. So that's been the biggest change um, for me is that it just realigned my priorities and it, it just changed my perspective on life and what's important. And what is most important is sharing the good news about Jesus and loving other people. That's why we're here, and and those things for me are what bring me the most joy.
2: Mm.
1: When you mm. when you talk about you know what what you went through and just this chronic pain and calling your parents every day. Of course, being a parent, I I hear that. I, I think, man, that's so tough. When you, my, oh my yeah. Old- he just my husband recently just a couple days ago was stung by a scorpion and it was it was the biggest scorpion Mm. i've seen it was just gross as lisa says it was a beast it was just horrible and last night he had his whole leg cramped up and for like a good three minutes he just laid there kicking and trying to get the the cramp out Mm. and and three minutes I could barely stand it. Cause when you watch someone suffer and you, you feel so helpless um, I can't imagine what that would be like as your parents just to be there. And sometimes it's worse. Like you want to take that pain. I I
3: think, I think it is worse. I I do because, and honestly it's, it's it's equally as hard on the person who is going through the thing um, because Mm -hmm. you know that you are causing that person pain. I, I know that when I call my parents, and, like, I was, here's an example. My mom and I were shopping the other day since I'm here in town, and I hurt myself. Um, I injure myself pretty easily. And luckily, this this wasn't a really bad injury, but it's still, in the moment, it hurt really, really bad. And I started crying because, I mean, <laughs> my condition is pretty painful. I'm not, like, an exaggerator. Um, but she, and then she just started crying. And then I know I'm like, oh, I'm causing my mom hurt, but Here's what we have to keep in mind. That hurt is coming from a place of love. And and we think about Jesus and, again, how he died on a cross and the tears that he cried for the world. Um, and, and love, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also, oh, I, I mean, to love someone is to, to be vulnerable. And so I think that that's just part of it. And I think I'm not a parent yet. Um, so I'm not trying to tell parents what to do, but what I've seen my parents do well is again, just sit with me in, in the pain, love me. And then they turn to God just as I'm turning to God. They turn to God as well.
2: Mm. That that's good. I mean, that's because you, you, I always feel for like the caregivers when you see situations because they're carrying their own pain in a different way. Because you, mm-hmm. you wanna fix something. You know, and I think it's a parent, we wanna fix it for our kids. And we can't always yes. fix it. And that's really hard because we are not in control. And so, like you said, we as as a caregiver as a parent we have our own journey. We're gonna take a break with right back.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
2: Bone loss is quite common as we age, but osteoporosis isn't a certain part of aging, according to Harvard Medical School. There are many things that you can do to shield your bones from this disease. The best case scenario is building the highest bone density possible by your 30s. And minimizing bone loss after that. But even if you are at midlife or older, there are still things you can do to preserve the bone you have and even replace lost bone. On top of weight-bearing exercise, they state that getting enough vitamin D and calcium are two critical strategies for keeping your bones strong. Always couple calcium with vitamin D to help with the absorption. The recommended daily intake for calcium is 1,000 milligrams a day for adults up to age 50 and 1,200 milligrams a day for people ages 51 and older when bone loss increases. I'm Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We're
2: chatting with Lauren
1: Gaskell. She is an author and a speaker. And she's just show, sharing with us how faith is not the absence of fear, but the presence of of courage. And Lauren, we, we went into the commercial break and you were talking about just the the chronic pain and how it affects your husband, your parents, and, and how those caretakers around you have to be so um, embraced in God's word and surrounded with Jesus's love so they can help others, you know, go through some of this. And I, I, just, I wanted to hear more about when you were going through, and and you still are going through the chronic pain, but how did that affect your relationship with God? I mean, there has to be times when you're like, okay, God, enough.
3: I'm done here. And do I really have faith in you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I write about this in chapter one of my book. Um, I I believe that there are three types of people. Um, There are people who refuse to exercise faith. There are people who hesitantly exercise faith, which is fine. And then there are people who eagerly exercise faith. And I think for me in high school, when, when things got really bad and God wasn't taking the suffering away, I refused to exercise faith. And I just quite honestly developed an attitude with him. I remember my mom trying to encourage me with, with prayer and a plate of peanut butter toast one morning, and I just said, you know what, I'm not hungry, and praying isn't going to change anything. I remember specifically telling her that. Like, I was in this place where I had resigned myself, the fact that nothing was going to get better, that he wasn't going to save me from what I was going through, and that this was, this was my new reality. And my faith wasn't in God. It was in my certainty of drowning because things had been so bad for so long. I was just like, okay, this is, this is my life. And I'd resigned myself to that. Um, but, you know, praise the Lord. Like I said earlier in the show, he pulled me up out of that. I went to a counselor. Um, I started getting help, and I started really, really getting in the word and really started asking myself, what if I could trade my despair for a courageous faith that could help me survive the deep waters of life? Um, and so that that has really been my journey. And I guess I would say, you know, I'm, I don't know who's listening today, but if you're going through anxiety and depression specifically, please know that help it's okay. It's okay to seek help. I'm a big proponent of counselors. And that doesn't mean that you're going to go to a counselor for the rest of your life. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see a counselor anymore. Um, but I did for a while. I, I found a good Christian counselor. Um, and then also too, like medicine is a legit thing. You know, I think we've stigmatized that in the church, but there are so many um, hormonal and, chemical and different things that can cause imbalances in our brains that can make us have anxiety and depression and panic symptoms. Um, So don't be afraid to get help. There's no shame in getting help. And God gives us so many tools and resources to do just that. I personally, I'm very open about, I, I use, I know lots of people who are on antidepressants, but I use natural supplements. Um, which were recommended by my doctor, but, um, don't, don't feel ashamed just because you need help because we all need help for something at one point or another in our lives. <laughs> right.
1: And that, and that's good advice because I know I even will go, Oh no, go for a run. Like you get that natural chemical going and there really is a chemical imbalance going on. To to be yes, and for
3: me, like I said, for me, it's an inflammation thing. So I just have to take a lot of anti-inflammatories, like omega threes, chamomile, and some other things. And I have found that when I take the anti-inflammatories, my symptoms completely go away because I'm treating the inflammation that is causing the symptoms. And and again, you know, I'll, I'll bring up one more time, like. It, when, whenever you're treating, whatever you're treating, it should be a multifaceted approach. So it's not just counseling, it's not just meds. You know, Jesus is still just as, if not more important.
2: It really is the holistic approach to things. Sometimes we just focus on one dimension of of healing, when it really is so much more to to our healing. Um, and so I think that that's just really good advice, and and to give people permission to go, it's okay to lean in and, 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 and pursue some of this, you know, counseling and some meds and, um, and then, like you said, just being grounded um, in the word too, as you're, so you're feeding your body from many different ways that are significant. Um, I know Patty, you had a question um, when we were uh, off the air, just about, you know, when you find yourself in, in that place and maybe, um, and especially like some, like some college students in that that season of life and maybe you're experiencing something and, and maybe your friends around you are not. Um, how, how do you kind of, what does, can that look like? As part of healing and, and like um, finding encouragement and how do we as we come along? So I think so many times people, um, they, they go through stuff and we feel ill-equipped to really know what to say um, and what not to say. Mm. What's the best um, scenario. And so sometimes I know that I know that in the past, and even sometimes I struggle, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, so you say nothing, which in some situations, nothing is good, but sometimes we do nothing cause we don't know what to do. And so you can err on that way too. Um, what if you found like, I know you've shared some of this, but just the things to remind us of like, when somebody is in that deep place, what are some of the best ways to just love on them and support them?
3: I think that's going to, well, one, I think that's a great question. But two, I think that's going to vary depending on person to person. Um, you know, everybody has their own love language in the way that they need love. And so I think, I think the most important thing, just speaking about all people, is don't try to fix it. Like, don't, don't try to shove, bi- don't, don't throw a Bible verse in their face. Don't um, try to have a solution or point them to, you know, I, (laughs) oh, this is going to sound bad, but I have so many people who are like, well, have you tried Plexus or have you tried this? Or I think you really have this wrong with you. Like don't try to, you're not a doctor. Don't try to diagnose Mm -hmm. them, but, Mm -hmm. but just let them know how much you love them. Let them know that you are there for them no matter what they need. If they need anything that you are there for them. I think that's the most important thing. And then if there are specific ways that they prefer love, so I think about me, acts of service is a big one for me. So I know when I'm – now it's not so much anxiety and depression. Now it's chronic pain flare-ups. But when I'm in a flare-up now, um, those kind of deep waters, you know, I'll have girls from my Bible studies bring over meals or come clean my house or – do gifts of service because they know that, one, that's my love language, and, two, when I'm in pain, I can't do those things. So just love on your people and don't try to fix it. Don't, um, don't offer advice unless they ask for it. But then also, two, another thing that you can do is if, if they say it's okay, you could always share about a hard time that you went through with them. And, and not, again, it's something that they would have to say, they would have to ask for that. But And you would have to bring it back to, I know this is nothing like what you're going through, but here's an example of how God showed up in my life. And, you know, let's pray together or something like that. Um, that's, that's another way. But I think, again, it's just love them the best way that you know how. And if you don't know how, ask God to show you the best way to love them.
2: Mm.
1: And, and I think times, too. Even asking them, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I inadequate and I want to be here for you. What is the best way I can be here for you? Yes. How do you like me to yep. show up? And that alone, even, you know, just go, I, I fear that I'm going to say something stupid. I fear that, you know, I'm going to say something that is, it just sounds weird. And so I don't talk at all. And I think when you're truly that transparent with someone, um, they get it. And it also, it almost gives you grace for when you do say something stupid (laughs) because you've already put the disclaimer on it. Yes, that's a really good point. Well, once again, we we started out our show talking about that, you know, there's – Back in 2016, there was all kinds of, and it was in the New York Times saying that this is an epidemic with anxiety and it's even bypassed depression. But now, just just last month, well, actually it was September, uh, New York Times came out with a new article saying that um, it isn't as extreme as we've let, on, let it on to, to be, and that the, the truth is that our brains are very resilient and more resistant to change and anxiety than we think. And the fact that we're playing in to the myth of this epidemic of anxiety disorders and, um, you know, this, that it's rooted in this uh, generation of overexposure to technology and social media – that we've almost exaggerated this idea. Uh, would you? I mean, obviously, there's research out there, but sometimes you hear research and you go, "No, now I think you're trying to pull it back." But there really is. Are you? Are you, Lauren, seeing more of the anxiety? Like, do you feel like we're we're having? It's because of this generation being overexposed to social media, et cetera.
3: I would say that it is. I would say that anxiety and depression are complicated medical um, things that can be caused by so many different factors. I think that our culture certainly does not set us up for um, not being anxious and depressed. I mean, let's be real. We live in a pretty dark, hopeless world. We live in a chaotic world. We live in a world um, where you have notifications coming at you from all sides every day. I mean, think about our ancestors. I mean, they, they were worried about people eating them or, or not, not people eating them, animals <laughs> eating them, um, and about, yeah. you know, uh, a storm or whatever. But can you imagine if they would have had, on top of that, cell phones buzzing 24 yeah. hours a day, seven days a week? I mean, that yeah. is not conducive for living a calm life. So, you know, what I tell people is even if you don't struggle with anxiety and depression, like have boundaries on your Mm -hmm. phone, because I don't think it's I don't think it's all social media. I think it's just we are constantly always on from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed. We're on. Mm -hmm. We're being bombarded with with media and um, we're more connected. So we're managing more relationships. And so I think all of those things pile on top of one another um, to create a a, a stressed out society and and stress can lead to anxiety. So, yeah. Awesome. And with that, Lauren, we just want to thank you. Thank you.